today for your promises concerning finances. Thank you, Lord, that everything we have comes from you. Thank you that when we go out into eternity, everything that we have here on earth will return to you. And we pray, Lord, that you would bless each and every person as we take this step of faith, as we give and we sow, and as we are obedient to the promises of your word, and as we claim those promises for ourselves. I pray that you would grace us, that you would multiply the seed that's sown, open the windows of heaven. And Lord, we thank you that we do not have to live by the economy of earth and subject to all that's taking place, but we can live by a higher economy, the economy of heaven. We thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, and amen, amen. All right, well, thank you, you two, Reno and John. Give them a hand and all the other musicians that were worship team that were here. I feel like I've forgotten something. Have I forgotten anything? No. Okay. All good. We're all good? We're good. Good, good, good. All right. Well, I started a series a few weeks back called Living Stones, and the subtitle or the subheading to it is In the Hands of the Master Builder. Living Stones in the Hands of the Master Builder. Michelangelo, who was probably the greatest sculptor of all time and who painted the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, if you've ever seen that, and uh, stated that he felt that painting was an inferior expression of art to sculpture. He believed that even though he was brilliant in that realm, he believed that sculpture was a far greater ex artistic expression, a more creative uh, expression than painting. And it was said that he would look at a piece of marble for days upon days upon days and stare at the marble before he ever started to shape it and form it. But he was famously uh, quoted as having said, I saw the angel in the marble and I carved until I set it free. God sees in you your potential. And whether we like it or not, or whether we know it or not, he is shaping us, he is molding us, until he can, until the inner reality of who we really are finds an expression in our lives. I wonder how many of you, I know that I do on many occasions, may react or respond in a certain way and we say, that's not me, that's not who I am. And in reality, it's not who you are, it's an expression of something that may have triggered a, a moment of frustration or whatever, but in reality, it is who God, it is the person that God sees in us that he is working at so that we can emerge and be the people who he created us to be. The passage of scripture that we've been focusing on over the last few weeks is from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 6. Of course, Peter, who had the revelation that Jesus was the Christ, and Jesus said to him, you are Peter, a stone, and on this rock, Petra referring to himself, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so Peter got this revelation of Jesus as the Christ, and Jesus used that 
to plant in him a seed and plant in him the idea that God is a builder, that he is building his church, and he is building us so that we can become the people that he wants us to be. And Peter, who had this revelation at Mount Hermon many years later, wrote this in his letter, 1 Peter 2, 4-6, as you come to him, that's Jesus, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. We've asked ourselves as an overarching question every week, these three questions. When it comes to God shaping us, when it comes to God forming us, when it comes to us being in the hands of the master builder, number one, am I being conformed or transformed? Am I being conformed to the pattern of this world or am I being transformed into the image of Christ? Am I going through a metamorphosis? Am I changing? Uh, is that a process that I am committed to? And the second question comes off that first question. Am I building randomly or intentionally? Am I in an intentional process of change? That I am being changed. That I am committed to change in my own life. That I am committed to growing. I'm committed to learning. I'm committed to becoming more like Jesus, rather than it just happening randomly. And so, thirdly, the third thing that I want to focus on today is, am I building according to God's pattern or my own? I'm going to say the word pattern here, because pattern is the way it should be pronounced, so I know so that no one misunderstands it. Polly Elman, who's sitting on the front row, when I first spoke about pattern, thought I was talking about P-A-T-E-N-T. And uh, so did many other people in actual fact as well. So I'm qualifying that here today. Am I building according to God's pattern or my own? Here's two questions or two comments or two statements if you like. Whatever is the cornerstone of my life will determine the shape of my life. Whatever is the cornerstone of my life will determine the shape of my life. And the second one is, whatever is at the center of my life will determine the orbit of my life. So I want to take a moment now to unpack those two statements and those two questions. What is the cornerstone of my life? What is at the center of my life? Everything that God does, he does by pattern or design. And there are patterns in God's word. That's why I love reading the Bible, because I find so many new patterns. I think I said recently that we will, I think in eternity, we will spend eternity discovering new patterns in the way that God moves, in the way that God works, in who He is. And so there are patterns in God's Word. And when we study the Bible and we study the Word of God, we find that whenever God's people followed the patterns in God's Word, they flourished. And whenever they didn't, they failed to flourish. So if I'm wise, 
I'm going to study the patterns in God's Word and apply them to my lives. Here are a few examples. There's a pattern for building, and we're going to unpack this more as we, as we uh, continue with the message. God said to Moses, Exodus 25 and verse 9, make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. And God, after Moses did that, God chose to make that place the place where he manifested his physical presence. God gave his people a pattern for farming. Leviticus 19, when you enter the land and plant fruit trees, leave the fruit unharvested for the first three years and consider it forbidden. Do not eat it. In the fourth year, the entire crop must be consecrated to the Lord as a celebration of praise. In other words, don't eat it, give it, offer it, and consecrate it, set it apart to God. Finally, in the fifth year, you may eat the fruit. If you follow this pattern, your harvest will increase. I am the Lord your God. Well, that wasn't just a spiritual principle. It was a practical principle. The fruit trees became more fruitful. I have a lemon tree, a Maya lemon tree in my garden that for some reason this year, I've been talking to Jeannie French, for some reason this year, it's just not bearing fruit. It's just, for the first time I thought, maybe I should uproot this and maybe I should plant another one, but I've grown fond of it. I've had it for many years now. And this year, it's not bearing any fruit, unlike my passion fruit vine, which has hundreds of passion fruit on it. But the lemon tree is not bearing. Maybe I've got the pattern wrong. And every time I ring up Armstrong Gardens, I get someone different on the phone, and they give me a different thing that I need to do. And so I'm totally confused. I don't know what to do. Maybe I need to go back to what uh, is being stated here. It is a fruit tree. So maybe I've been taking fruit off it too early. But here's a principle, a pattern for farming, a pattern for serving. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And he said this, I've laid down a pattern for you. What I've done, you do. There was a pattern of serving, of loving one another. Paul talked to his son in the faith, Timothy, and said, 1 Corinthians 11, pattern yourself after me. Follow my example as I imitate and follow Christ the Messiah. Paul told us, tells us in his word, in his letter that he wrote to the Romans, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, changed, metamorphosized by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, the good, pleasing, and perfect will. So God gives us a pattern in his word for pretty much every area of our lives, which is why if we're wise, we'll read God's word, study the pattern, and apply it to our lives. So when Peter says Jesus is the cornerstone of the building, he is the cornerstone of the church, he is expressing that Jesus is, as the cornerstone, is the pattern and sets the pattern for our lives. 
he's stating that the house of God, the church, which is not the building, but the people, the church is being built according to God's master plan and according to God's design. Jesus is not only the cornerstone of the church, but the cornerstone of the believer, the cornerstone of those who are like living stones being built into a spiritual house. In the New Living Translation, it translates 1 Peter 2 verse 4 saying, you are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. You and I are coming to Jesus who is the cornerstone of all that God is building. Now we have in our church some architects. And so yesterday I texted William Itson and I said, tell me what you know. I want five points about a cornerstone. Tell me what you know about cornerstones. And so he did. He texted me. And from his text, I have five points about a cornerstone, the function of a cornerstone, the purpose of a cornerstone, the importance of the cornerstone that I took from his text. If anything I say is incorrect, please take it up with William. So the cornerstone was no ordinary stone. It wasn't a stone that was found in a corner. It wasn't a stone that was particularly just placed randomly in a corner. No, it was no ordinary stone. And so that's one of the first things that we have to understand. When Peter is talking about Christ as the cornerstone, it was, if you like, highlighted in the text. People would have taken note. A cornerstone was an important stone. It was a very specific stone. And there are several reasons for that. And I want us to be thinking along the lines of what I said earlier, was whatever is the cornerstone of our lives will determine the shape of our lives. So what or who is the cornerstone? Well, first of all, the cornerstone is the first stone. In, our, in, in um, architectural terms, it's called the datum, D-A-T-U-M. The dictionary definition of a datum is a point, line, or surface used as a reference in surveying, mapping, or geology. So in modern-day terms, the datum is the, the point that is the reference point for every other measurement, every other dimension. It can take place on a, on a plane, it can take place in a line, or it can be a specific point. But back in the day when they were building buildings, and even today, the cornerstone was the first stone that was placed in a building at the corner, and it, the alignment and orientation of every aspect of that building came back to the cornerstone, which was the datum. If the cornerstone was off-center or orientation, the whole building would be off. The strength of the building would be impaired. The shape of the building would be impaired. But if it was correct, the entire building would be in alignment. Interestingly, I did some 
more research, and I found that in archaeology, in any archaeological dig, there is a point on an archaeological site that is referred to as the datum. And so every aspect of the dig, anyone been on an archaeological dig? I went on an archaeological dig in Israel uh, back at the beginning of the 80s, and I can remember it was outside of Jerusalem. I was finding pottery that went back to the Byzantine era, let there be light. And I was throwing it away. It was, oh, that's only that's only a thousand years old. I was looking for things that were went dated back to Jesus' day. But the datum is the point in the archaeological dig that everything from that time forward refers to so that you can find the location of where that particular artifact was found. And if you lose or you forget the datum or the tree that is used as the datum or the point that's used as a datum gets moved, you are unable to orientate yourself and find the places that those significant discoveries were found. It's an incredibly important point in the building. And so when Peter is saying that, he is reminding us Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is the one who should determine the orientation of every aspect of our lives. If we want our lives to be uh, if we, if we want to have the shape of our lives shaped according to God's original intention and plan for us, then we need, to, we need to align our lives with Jesus, the cornerstone. I love, the, I love that verse in Revelations 1 uh, and verse 8, where Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and was and is to come, the Almighty. What a great thought. He is the one that I want to align my life to. When Jesus was telling his disciples that he was going to, a, going to heaven, he said, I'm, I'm going somewhere that you can't come right now, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And uh, Thomas was asked, and he said, well, we don't know where you're going. How can we follow you if we don't know where you're going? And Jesus said this, my father's house, um, uh, Jesus said this, I am answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. I remember when I first heard the gospel, and someone came to me and said, Jesus is the way. I said, no, he's not. Jesus is a way. He's not the way. And I had this argument with this person, and then I had the argument with myself until the Holy Spirit dropped into my mind some time later, maybe you're wrong. It's an amazing thing when you come to a realization, maybe I'm wrong. And so I asked Jesus, I said, Jesus, if you are the way, the truth, and the life, reveal yourself to me. And very soon after that, I was on my own. I had a literal vision of Jesus standing in front of me that transformed my life. And ever since that time, he has been my cornerstone. 
the one whose life I want to align my life to, the one whose way I want to follow, the one whose way I want to walk in, the one whose truth I want to know, the one whose life I want to experience. He is the first stone. And so he's the one that I want to go to first. He's the one I want to ask first. He's the one I want to measure every decision I make against first. He's the one whose approval I will look for first. He's the one whose pleasure I want to seek first. He is the first stone. The cornerstone is the first stone. And everyone who heard these words that Peter said would have understood exactly what Peter was saying when he said Jesus was the cornerstone. The second thing is that the, the, the uh, cornerstone is the foundation stone. It's the foundation stone. In older construction methods, it was literally the most important part of the foundation. It provided strength. It provided structure. It provided stability. And the cornerstone needed to be made of stone. It could not be made of wood because wood was not sufficiently strong. Can't be made of cement. Cement is not sufficiently strong. It needed to be a stone so that it would be big enough and strong enough to stabilize the building in that exact location so that it wouldn't crumble, so that it could be relied upon for building. And I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 10. He says, according to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. No other foundation can be laid than that which is Christ. The cornerstone was the foundation stone. And if we're wise we will build on that foundation. So much of what we build is temporal. So much of what we build, it will only last for a certain period of time. But whatever is built on the foundation of Christ is eternal. And so the Jesus is the cornerstone. He is our foundation. He is the one who gives us strength. He is the one who provides through the work of His Spirit the support, the strength that we need for our lives. Thirdly, it was the reference stone. It represents, the cornerstone represented the time and place when the building was built. So there was a period in time when relics were buried in the cornerstone like a time capsule. And it's interesting that it was the reference stone and that that took place with the building, buildings, with cornerstones, because the reference point, the reference stone, Jesus is the reference stone. Jesus is the one 
by whom all time is measured. He is the ter- eternal one who developed, uh, who, who, who divided the time B.C. to A.D., before Christ and A.D., Anno Domini, which means in the year of our Lord or in the year of the Lord, which is our reference point. So everything comes back to Jesus. Everything comes back to Him as that dividing line. Fourthly, it's the signature stone. And the signature stone, along with the capstone, which was the last building, symbolically represented the entire building. And so often a building was given an ornamentation or engravings or a plaque. And an example of that is in St. Paul's Cathedral. If you go to St. Paul's Cathedral, the capstone uh, has the word resurgam on it which means I will rise again, based on the fact that in 1666, the Great Fire of London burned the original St. Paul's Cathedral down, and it was rebuilt nine years later in 1675, and they found a stone, and they made that stone the cornerstone, and they wrote on it, Resurgam, I will rise again, which was the term that was used of the religious leaders of the day who were afraid that Jesus would rise again. And they use that term. This deceiver has said, I will rise again. Jesus promised that he will rise again. And so the awesome thing is that when Jesus is our cornerstone, when Jesus is our cornerstone, the signature of that cornerstone is, I will rise again. So whatever we're going through in life, whatever ending we may come to, whatever may have transpired or taken place in our lives, whatever we've had to navigate, whatever hurt we've experienced, whatever loss we've experienced, we know that that is engraved on the very cornerstone of our faith and the cornerstone, the one in whom we put our faith, Jesus, I will rise again. I am by nature an optimist, eternally optimistic. I want to believe the best. I want to believe the best in people. And yes, we get disappointed, but I'm still going to keep believing. I'm still going to keep believing the best. I'm still going to be optimistic. Despite what's happened over the last few years, all of the craziness and all of the static and all of the noise and all the stuff that's going on and in, in, in this nation that has changed so radically over the last 10 years. I'm an optimist. But I want to be more than an optimist because my optimism may not be based in reality, but my optimism is based in the fact that Jesus is my cornerstone, and when he said, I will rise again, that can be my anthem. That can be the thing that I declare from the very ba- foundation of my life. From, that can be my reference point. That can be my signature, if you like. As a follower of Christ, I will rise again. And that applies to each and every one of us. I will rise again. Even if you're a Manchester United supporter, you can declare, I will rise again. It requires a lot of faith, but I will rise again. Fifthly, it's the most honored stone. 
it is the most honored stone. It was celebrated because it was the most honored stone. It was the first and most important and the most significant stone. Therefore, it was the one that was honored above all others. And Peter refers to this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. He says, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. The cornerstone is the stone that is to be honored above all others. And in my life, I want to make a commitment in my life to make Jesus the cornerstone of my life, the one who I honor more than any other. And the, one of the ways that I honor Jesus is to live my life according to the pattern of his word, to align my life to what he teaches in his word. And you say, what is that? Read it and discover it, because that's what God wants each and every one of us to do. He wants us to come to a place where we know it's the first stone. He's the opinion that I look for first. I love those. Back in the day, they had those wristbands, and they had on them, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? First thing, what would Jesus do in this situation? He's the first stone. Secondly, he's the foundation stone. I'm building my life on Jesus. The rest of the world, all that's taking place, the economy, what's taking place and the, the, the shifting sands of the culture in which we live, all of the rest, Jesus is my foundation and he is a sure foundation and I can put my hope and confidence in, in that. He's my reference stone. He's the one that I want to refer to in every decision and choice of my life. He's the one who I'm looking for to give me a reference. How many of you know when you go to your next job, the most important reference is the reference that Jesus gives you in your, um, in your CV? Do we call it CV here? Resume. CV, curriculum vitae or whatever. Yeah, that's, that's the English way of saying it. That's the proper way. In your resume, in your resume, and you say, well, what does Jesus say? I tell you what Jesus does is he gives you favor. When Jesus is my reference point, when I go into a meeting, I have his favor on my life. I'm not going in alone. My father-in-law, Ken, who who is a miracle. He's a walking miracle. He's beaten cancer again and again and again and again. And he talks to his doctors when he goes in to see his doctors, and he says, well, I'm not here on my own. And the doctor looks at him like, are you crazy? Uh, and he says, no, I'm here with Jesus. And Jesus is the one who's going to give you wisdom and is going to give me favor. And that's what he has. He gets, the doctor gets wisdom and he has favor because when Jesus is my reference point, then I know that when I'm walking into that appointment, when I'm walking into that meeting, when I'm having that difficult conversation, Jesus is the one who's going to put his hand on my life and give me favor. How many here would like to know God's favor on every aspect of your life? Well, it comes back to us aligning our, li our lives 
with that cornerstone and aligning our lives with God's word, with Jesus as our cornerstone, so that we can know his favor on our lives. And of course, he is the one who is honored above all others. If the cornerstone determines the shape of my life, as the worship team come now, I'm going to conclude with this question. Who is your cornerstone? Who is your cornerstone? Who or what is the first stone you put into place? Who or what is your foundation stone? Who or what is your reference stone? Who or what is your signature stone? And who or what is the stone that you honor the most? Let's make a decision that our cornerstone is Jesus, that our life is to be aligned with his life, and his word is to be the blueprint of my life. Am I building according to God's pattern, or am I building towards or according to my own? Because whatever is the cornerstone of my life will determine the shape of my life. Next week, I want to look at whatever is at the center of my life will determine the orbit of my life. Would you stand with me? Let me pray for you. And then we're going to worship God for a moment together. Father God, I thank you for your word. Thank you today that we can take time to ponder, to focus, to meditate on the fact that you, Jesus, are our living cornerstone. And that we, like living stones, are being molded, shaped in the hands of the master builder. Lord, that we are being willingly aligning our lives to your alignment, your your word, your blueprint for our lives. And that with you as the cornerstone, the alignment of our lives, the direction of our lives, the strength of our lives, the shape of our lives will be according to your, your great love for each and every one of us. Your desire to see us flourish in every area of our lives. To know strength, vitality, and energy in every area and aspect of our lives. Lord, we honor you, and we declare that you are our cornerstone. We honor you, and we worship you in Jesus' mighty name. Let's worship Jesus for a moment, and let's invite the Holy Spirit to quicken his